Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm here with Kayvan Kian. He is an author. He is a, a consultant at McKinsey. He has co-founded the Young Leaders Forum. Kayvan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, uh, Richard. Great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, it's, great, it's great to have you. So this, uh, this, is, this is the book for people watching. It's uh, What is Water? How Young Leaders Thrive in an Uncertain World. So, uh, yeah, how do we thrive, Kevan? <laughs> Very uh, good question. The, the core question of the Young Leaders Forum of the book. Uh, yeah, something I, uh, I like to think about a lot myself. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, what, what, what drew you to, to this, this question uh do you have to, so much so that you decided to write a, write a book around it i never started off as writing uh to write a book uh, i don't consider myself an author in the sense that writing is not something i i relax with you know you have these people i always feel a bit uh, i admire they say you know today i winded uh, i wrote 10 pages and i felt better about it for me it's really hard work to do that but uh, I noticed that uh, this question uh, was not only relevant for myself, because I used to read a lot about this. Uh, for me, I, had, I used to have a startup. Uh, and I was like, okay, how do you manage uh, this crazy setting over here? Working on uh, projects with clients where a lot of things were going on uh, during crises. So it started with myself in many ways. Growing up, uh, I would read and see what can I learn from an ancient philosopher, an entrepreneur, and someone else. And it was only over time that I realized that this question was not only relevant for myself, but many clients I was working with. They were not only struggling necessarily with the content of the problem, but also with the process, with uh, all the things that are going on. And little by little, I noticed uh, these conversations uh, were actually very helpful for them as well. And that's where the idea came, okay, how about instead of having these little conversations here and there, having a forum where we discuss nothing else uh, uh, than this. And once that grew all over the world, I felt, uh, is there a way to make this content accessible for everyone else uh, who doesn't attend these uh, forums? Right. Okay. And this is a young leader forum. So when you say young, like how young? <laughs> we, uh, we don't ask uh, someone's age. Uh, we, we respect uh, their privacy, but uh, uh, young at heart, we say. so. If you feel uh, you're a young leader, then you're welcome. Typically, I would say most people who attend are uh, late 20s to late 30s around that uh, time. So they're growing in an organization. They feel they're getting more and more responsibilities. Their startup is turning into a scale up, uh, but uh, they're not uh, uh, old and gray yet. Okay. <laughs> and you're bringing them these sort of philosophically informed... Yeah, exercises, thought processes, and you're bringing that to the forum. Bring that to the forum, yes. And uh, all of that without uh, PowerPoint, uh, without tables, without uh, everything that uh, maybe people are used to. So uh, a bit like the old days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says the McKinsey consultant, you must feel like a fish out of what naked without your PowerPoint, Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, the first question was indeed, where is the, where is the PowerPoint? Uh, oh, well, there is none. It's like, oh, what are we going to do then? Uh, we're going to talk. 
but we do have a flip chart. We do have a marker. So we do take notes and uh, a bit uh, looking like how would they have done a session like this maybe uh, thousands of years ago, like the ancient Romans, the Greeks. And uh, I must say, I was very surprised how well that resonated. Uh, people often say, oh, you work with young leaders. Uh, you probably have these high-tech apps and all these cool technology. And it's like, yeah, I'm interested in those, but we actually use zero. Uh, right. We just sit and uh, help each other. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that that's interesting to me then. So yeah, just talk us through like how a typical one of these four fora would go. Like what what would be the process? So it's very much um, t- removing any kind of distraction first in today's world. That every second there are so many things that demand your attention. Of course, there are breaks and things because you cannot just uh, completely uh, unplug uh, for a few days. Uh, uh, But what we do is uh, just uh, um, start with this basic question. How do you lead, grow and thrive in this world that feels more volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous with everything that's going on? And uh, we look at role models. Who do you think is thriving in your view? Because what we don't want is to come up with this uh, out-of-touch ideal of a leader uh, who, you know, from a comic book or from a movie, uh, an unattainable ideal. So, uh, <laughs> more Aristotelian than uh, Platonic. <laughs> you could say that, but there is an idealism behind it. But uh, the pragmatic part is to see... What do real people do in the same situation and what can we learn from them? Is there a common mindset that we can borrow? Uh, given that uh, you, tomorrow you're going to be a leader, not in a sterile laboratory, but in a really messy uh, world, complex, things uh, are unclear. And uh, what we often find is that uh, what these role models have in common with all their differences is uh, this mindset that you could bring back all the way to the ancient Stoics, which we uh, synthesize as having uh, what we call a radical focus on what you can control. And at any given moment of time, there's an infinite amount of things out of your control. There are always things within, but how good are you telling a difference between the two? Because that also helps you decide where do you invest your heart, your time, your energy, your blood, sweat, and tears. Because uh, it's just too easy to lose your attention. And mm. days and weeks can go by. And for right reasons, you might be concerned, upset, or any other emotion with all the things that are out of your control. But in the meantime, of course, you could have made a positive difference for yourself, for your teams, for your communities, families, organization, and so forth. We use that as a basic lens. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, that's interesting. So, so what are some of the ways that you can find that uh, edge, right, between what's in my control and what I should mm-hmm. be alone? So it's a, it's a lens that uh, um, you can polish, in my view, uh, from my experience. So uh, it's through practice that you get some better clarity around that. Now, you can say have a radical focus on what you can control. But it's not about memorizing words. Again, it's a lens. So uh, you could say, uh, how can I do what I can with what I've got? Um, Some others might say, not in control is not of concern. Not that they don't care, but at that moment, how do you make sure you put that aside and make the best out of what's out there? 
and uh, the rest of the forum, uh, the book also uh, as well, says, okay, let's see what matters when it comes to leadership, when it comes to thriving, uh, despite the situation that you're in, what are the themes and what parts of that is always within your control. So mm -hmm. let's think about positivity. Uh, and, you know, there's benefits of having negative emotions uh, from a fight or flight or survival standpoint. There are benefits for having a positive uh, uh, experience. Um, but if you want to protect that positivity, which is sometimes difficult if you just leave things to chance in today's world, what are things that you can always do? What are your favorite things? What are the activities that are in your control that put a smile on your face? Uh, it doesn't have to be big or grand. How do you filter the negativity instead of just assuming the worst every time? Uh, if something happens, is it personal? Is it impersonal? Is it specific? Is it affecting everything? Is it temporary? Is it forever? So using those filters or even saying, you know, I want to uh, uh, experience a moment of positivity. What's in my control? Well, uh, I'll practice some gratitude, uh, a practice we've been passing on through millennia. And uh, this is just a very simple exa example of many of the things when it comes to positivity that then you say, hey, these are within my control. Then we apply this to having uh, more energy, uh, to your strengths. We look because those are natural given talents. They're always in your control because they're part of you. Uh, no one can take them away from you. We think about meaning having the sense of why, as Nietzsche would say, to bear almost anyhow. You can wait till meaning sort of arrives, someone else provides it, but it's also nice to know that it's within your control to make any moment more meaningful than it otherwise would have been. Yeah. And so forth and so forth. Yeah, that just reminds me of that, that wonderful metaphor you have in the book of the, the bricks, the pillars and the, and the schools. Could you mm -hmm. take us through that? So uh, the famous analogy uh, is around... When you want to experience more meaning, it's helpful to know that that which you're doing is contributing to something larger than yourself. And uh, it's very easy uh, to reduce whatever task you're doing to a bunch of bricks uh, that they're just uh, standing next to each other and you're putting them closer. But of course, if you realize that these bricks are part of a, maybe a larger pillar and a pillar is part of a school for the local community for the kids to come and learn. That same activity uh, might not become more pleasurable, cannot, might not become more fun. You might still not be using maybe your natural strengths and talents, but at least it becomes more meaningful. And there are different ways that we explore that uh, you can uh, make sure that uh, you see all these angles. You know, sometimes what you're doing is contributing to your learning. And sometimes what you're doing is contributing to building your character. Uh, are you aware of that? Uh, maybe this is a good moment to practice patience, practice courage, practice diligence. Uh, the situation doesn't become easier, but it becomes more bearable, actually it becomes richer, and you become a better person, not despite the situation, but because of that situation. And all of a sudden, that can give the motivation to pull through that uh, hard work, that weekend, that uh, night, and anything else that's uh, going on for you at that moment. But some people might say, okay, that's interesting. But uh, for me, the real reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because it helps uh, my family. It helps my community. It helps my colleague. 
Uh, it helps uh, people I care about. It helps my daughter to go to uh, school uh, and so forth and so forth. Could be relational. You know, if that's the real important thing, how much can you connect what you do with those uh, uh, things? For someone, it could be the organization. Uh, maybe your parents built this company and uh, you want to make sure that your children mm -hmm. maybe somehow, some way can uh, carry uh, everything further. It could be societal. Uh, it could be metaphysical. So we're not here to say, oh, you know, this should be the best meaning or you should have this sense of purpose for these reasons. No one will disagree. Everybody agrees that all of these things are somehow important. But what's important for you? What makes your heart sing? What gives you the courage, the excitement, the energy to pull through? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I think about it in the context of the current movement within organizations to get clarity on their purpose and making that a very important aspect of what they do. And, mm -hmm. you know, that can obviously provide meaning to some people in the organization and there may be some value in it in and of itself. But what you're pointing to here is we can, we can discipline ourselves to find meaning in, in every moment in, in mm. every task and actually developing that muscle and that discipline can give us a, a richer life and can help us to, to thrive. That's a very beautifully uh, phrased. And uh, people might realize that what gives them a source of meaning might not be literally the same as the, the company purpose, so to speak. Uh, it could be nice to know that this company uh, is serving something bigger than itself, uh, more beyond uh, profits, so to speak. But uh, again, maybe the real reason you show up to work and you love to do what you do is because you love your colleagues and uh, you want to make sure that they're successful and that their families uh, thrive uh, throughout these difficult economic times. And uh, if that's your reason, then protect that, uh, be in touch with it, connect with it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to me that this being in the inquiry is the important thing. Mm. Like Exactly. What, what, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what and, I am. Yeah. Cool. And uh, once you do that, because when we talk about, you know, these, you talked about these forums and uh, what we talk is, you understand yourself better. You become more aware of these aspects of yourself. And you realize that, hey, much of this is within my control. But then we go one step further. How do you provide meaning for others? Uh, you're, you're leading your teams. You're leading a department. And the insight is often that uh, uh, others are different. <laughs> that which gives me a sense of meaning might not be the same for others. You're doing it because you want to solve a societal problem. Someone else is doing it because they love learning this new skill. Well, you can still work on the same exact thing for completely different reasons and have a sense of meaning, and that's fine. But uh, uh, how do you make sure you don't make things more difficult to, for others uh, by imposing your sense of meaning instead of allowing that room for them uh, to flourish as well? Yeah, that, that that's interesting. And I think that's where that, impulse of the leader to define purpose and mm -hmm. then kind of and we've got this corporate phase right of get, getting buy-in for, for mm -hmm. the purpose or the mission or whatever it, you know it has its dark side right because there's a potential you're taking away people's sort of desire to to find their own meaning in what they're doing with good intentions so that's yeah. the, that's the tough part this is not from malintent uh, this is probably from a lack of awareness in many ways and uh, this uh, manager could be uh, frustrated because uh, this person thinks, hey, I gave this best speech of my life and 
somehow didn't resonate, maybe I should give a longer speech, right? Uh, about the same thing. <laughs> maybe, or maybe you want to gauge a bit like uh, what does resonate and is it compatible? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. And, and engaging that, it sounds like what you're doing is you're, you're inviting dialogue. Very much. Yeah. And uh, if the sessions uh, are not cave on speaking a lot, uh, at least uh, that's what I uh, aim for, but it's small groups, having these conversations, helping each other, thinking it through, making it practical, making sure it's within your control and so forth. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't help, but sort of think about the fact that you're a management consultant and I'm a recovering management consultant as well. And <laughs> you've, you know, the, of the stereotype and the reality of so many, many of us in this profession is, is, you know, precisely the opposite of what you've just described. You know, we're, it's almost a kind of anti-dialogical process, right? We do come in with our PowerPoints, our templates and our frameworks, and we're often, you know, hired guns to, to push a message. And, you know, do you find that's a tension in your work? Like that you've, you've obviously got this love of, of open dialogue and do you find yourself managing attention there in, in what you're doing? So I think there's a time and place for any skill or approach. And uh, when somebody clearly is in need of an answer and uh, it's pressing and uh, it's a technical solution that is uh, uh, that needs to be fixed, then yes, if you have that technical knowledge, uh, share it, <laughs> share it as soon as possible because uh, time is pressing. If I right, if you if I go to a, a doctor and I have uh, uh, my knee hurts, so I, I want to know as soon as possible if it's broken or not. Like it, we don't need to talk a lot, just take the picture. But uh, when it comes to themes around leadership development, when it comes to uh, really becoming better aware of all those things that are so close to our eyes that they're difficult to see, uh, yeah, talking too much at least uh, can get in the way. And uh, that took for me a while to also realize uh, the feedback from the very first forum uh, was, uh, we appreciate, Kayvon, that you have so much to share. But uh, if it's okay with you, we'd like to talk a bit more amongst yourselves. Even if nothing really comes out of it. And I'm like, wow, that's, uh, that, that's new. Like, okay, if uh, you don't mind, why not? Uh, uh, I had prepared uh, as much as I could. And uh, that's when I realized, yes, uh, it's, it's a lot of exploration, talking with each other, asking good questions helping become aware and uh, uh, facilitating that process. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's another, um, that's another lens to, um, to focus over time is, you know, when is the moment to be didactic? When is it the moment, the moment to just sort of go into presentation mode? <laughs> and, and when does the moment call for more dialogue? Mm -hmm. That's, uh, no, that's, It'd be uh, uh, <laughs> you'd be very wise if you know the difference at any time. Uh, the good news is people uh, let you know also. So <laughs> be open for the immediate feedback. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I think I think that's true in some contexts, but I do think there's a there's, there's often people can be blind as leaders, right? They mm. can come away, they can come and they think, you know, I nailed that presentation, and you know, they might have some backslaps from some you know some people <laughs> close to them afterwards. 
Um, but I notice it as a kind of anti-pattern of leadership often is that, that people aren't doing that, right? They aren't, and mm. you know, I probably include myself in this, right? I'm, I'm not always as vulnerable as I could be in seeking that feedback after, afterwards, after a presentation. It sounds like you were with this forum, um, but it sounds like that's part of, part of the maturation of a leader. Yeah, I don't know if I was very open. This this was just people walking up to me and telling me <laughs> that this is what they needed. So I hope that at least I created an environment where people felt comfortable doing that. Uh, yeah, in, uh, in, in that regard. And you weren't dealing with positional power, like you weren't any of their bosses, right? So that that I think it becomes harder when you have positional power in an organization. And that's one benefit of uh, a forum like that. I also quickly noticed. Uh, when you talk about understanding your strengths, your talents, uh, things you're good at, but also your weaknesses and how do you want to develop those or not. And sometimes it's uh, much more helpful to do this with someone who you've never met before, who has no history uh, and just asks very naive questions maybe. And uh, I was also surprised so that people say, you know, that was such a good conversation. You know, there's zero context, there's zero background, there's I can just be completely myself. I get all these questions nobody has ever asked me. Um, so that was one reason to continue. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I actually, it just, just comes to mind, I actually had some feedback in the opposite direction recently. <laughs> I was hired to talk to some leaders and I... I did zero PowerPoints, right? I didn't provide them <laughs> any content. I just facilitated an inquiry. And mm -hmm. some of the feedback, negative feedback was, no, we wanted something from you. <laughs> like put something on the table for us to chew on, right? So you, there's, a, there's a golden moon, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, but it sounds like you're open to that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but again, this was interesting. It's a similar situation when I didn't have positional power over these people. So getting yourself into that situation where, yeah, you're you're not you're not somebody's boss. I think is helpful, right? Because you're more likely to get the honest. Yeah, yeah the and honest there, there there are steps in between. So if you want to, for instance, uh, share an important story where you want to indeed uh, uh, share the meaning of a big change that you're introducing or next phase of your scale up and and so forth, uh, there's a step in between you preparing it by yourself and then going all in and sharing this with the whole organization. So one thing that we also do is you, you, you practice, you share this story in a small group uh, where the whole purpose is to have feedback immediately and uh, not feedback on, you know, did the sentences make sense or does the plan seem logical, but uh, what resonated, what not, what moved you, what not. Did you fell asleep or did you want more? And uh, you can practice this then in a smaller setting. And then you understand that, hey, I have a big blind spot because I only talk about the organization or I only talk about the society. I missed the whole part of us together. Uh, I missed mm -hmm. the whole learning aspect of this next phase. I missed acknowledging that, hey, we don't know all the answers, but this is our best guess. And that gives much more confidence than trying to pretend that you do know. Yeah. It's worth yeah. uh, practicing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, 
yeah, and I suppose it reminds. And if you're going back to, the, to these uh, ancient traditions, so much of it, you know, it was, it was oral, right? That was that mm-hmm. was how you developed, right? Yeah, you know, a story or a, a philosophy. It was in dialogue with with others, right? That's that's how you built a cohesive narrative or a coherent narrative <laughs> was to was to do that, wasn't it? That's true. Yeah, on the on the paintings, you often see someone in dialogue with themselves, <laughs> eyes closed or wandering around. Uh... <laughs> Uh, mumbling something but uh, indeed fortunately there were also interpersonal dialogues with a lot of debate feedback and uh, and you name it and uh, thinking you know what's this big theme that i want to get better at uh, relationships uh, what's within my control how to practice that and moving on to the next and that's how you also build confidence of course yeah yeah that makes um that makes some sense. So you alluded it to, to a moment ago in terms of you know the, the fish in water, and the title of the book is "What is Water?" You know why is mm-hmm. that such a sort of powerful idea for you? So it's a. Uh, there are some ancient stories. Uh, one of them popularized by uh, David Foster Wallace in a very famous commencement speech uh, about uh, two fish having a good time in the water, and then an older and wiser fish swims by and asks him, "How is the water?" One of the fish looks a bit puzzled and says, what is water? Like, what is this person talking about? Um, the similar stories around birds not knowing what uh, air is because uh, they're just always immersed in it. But of course, a fish pull it out or uh, in any case, then you realize the difference. The uh, point is that the uh, things that are so close to our eyes are paradoxically things that are the most difficult things to see. You need some kind of minimum distance. If you walk up to someone uh, and ask, you know, what are your talents? What are your strengths? What gives you energy? What are your natural gifts? Uh, You would think this person, you know, someone is in their late 30s, mid 30s. They're a part of you. You can maybe name five, six, seven, ten, right? But people actually struggle. They say, oh, that's a good question. I think maybe this could be one if I'm you know, modest enough or this and that. Uh, And then you realize like, wow, okay, if you are not aware of these things, of your strengths, what gives you a sense of meaning, if you're not aware of uh, things that give you a positive kick, if you're not aware of all these other important themes that help people thrive through the most difficult times, what choices do you have? Then you have limited choices. You probably have to leave things to chance. And then coincidentally, someone assigns you a task where you use a skill that was a talent. And then you say, hey, that was such a nice week last year. Well, uh, let's not leave that to chance because the odds are not in your favor. You know, it's such a complicated world that we're in. And if you know that conflict resolution is a strength and it gives you energy, if you know that entrepreneurship is a strength, gives you energy or listening or coaching or you know, what you do, uh, interviewing, <laughs> It uh, uh, it gives you the choices to think, okay, how can I, instead of doing two months, two hours per month, uh, some of this, two hours per week, how can I increase the hours of using my skills and talents? And how can they maybe compensate for a weakness? Imagine that someone has public speaking as a weakness, but has writing as a strength. Well, is there a way that you can do the things that you want to do motivate, inspire, and uh, persuade people, not through the spoken word, but through the written word. Mm. 
And then things become interesting. Then things fall together. Then someone realizes, ah, I understand how I can lead, grow, and thrive in today's world because I'm better aware of all these things, like these small changes that can make a big difference. And it adds up. The situation doesn't change necessarily, but I'm using more of my strengths. I'm using more of the things that give me energy. I'm protecting that positivity. I can find meaning, not again, uh, despite the situation, but because of the situation. And again, you can imagine how someone can grow as a leader. Right. Yeah. And, and do you have an example of that in your own life where you've, you know, you've reached out and you've learned something about yourself? So many things. Uh, there's, uh, I, like, I would like to think that uh, there's not a letter in the book that I haven't uh, practiced myself first. Um, so it's, it's also not a very thick book, you can imagine, because you have all these filters, uh, things that you can only control, things that uh, we've discussed with others, things that I've practiced over years. So not much remains, but that which remains, I hope to say that is rock solid, right? Uh, it, it works. Yeah. And uh, for me, uh, what uh, took a while looking back, I, I don't know how, but the idea that uh, difficult times, uh, even though you might not really know that what you're contributing to is helping something externally, because that's also uncertain, right? Are you working on the right solution? But the fact that there are opportunities to build character, not what you want to accomplish, but who do you want to become over the years? That took me a few years to realize and to think that, hey, looking back, uh, what character traits do I want to practice? I want to be a more patient person. Well, I have to wait now in an uncomfortable setting. This is an opportunity to practice that patience. So and that's specifically one of the ones you've worked on? One of the ones I've worked on, or yeah. uh, this is a difficult situation. I need to intervene. But if I intervene, who knows what can happen? So you're taking like a social risk in this aspect or uh, launching the Young Leaders Forum, or launching a startup, like there are financial risks involved, or many other things that you do. Not the worst that can happen, but yeah, this is an opportunity to practice courage. But, uh, yeah. Who do you want to become? And when all else fails, at least the idea that uh, you're becoming more the person who you would like to become, I realized that such a source of meaning and that's such an overlooked source of meaning that uh, I wish somebody had told me earlier, <laughs> very explicitly in these uh, words that are in the book. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting, as we were talking before the show um, about, you know, the popularity of Jordan Peterson and we could, you know, for, for my understanding is he resonates a lot with young men and he provides um, his version of moral instruction, you might say. And I was reflecting on that myself and how that, seems to be missing in our culture to a large degree now um we don't have the rites of passage many of us aren't going to church anymore like where are we finding this instruction mm. uh, i don't know and uh you know it's interesting now that it seems to be that there are more authors and thinking thinkers coming to prominence in culture providing some of this these ideas and there seems to be indeed a uh, need to think these things through uh, better or more. And uh, what I notice is that uh, this topic, maybe even 10 years ago, would have been uh, a topic that people would look at you like, what, why, are we talk, why are we discussing this again? Like, oh, what, what's the real relevance? Uh, 
but now there's an unmet need in many ways. The purpose of this book is not to tell you, you know, what is uh, a good person? Uh, yeah. Or am I to tell you we've never met uh, to instruct or anything around that? But the first purpose of the book is to uh, give the ways, share the ways of thinking that you can practice so you can think for yourself and you can decide for yourself. And then you can realize that, okay, in my view, uh, maybe you, you don't care that much about patience uh, and that's not part of your, you know, the person you want to become, but uh, maybe kindness, you want to, to practice that. And then it becomes interesting. Okay, what are the only moments you can practice kindness? Well, maybe moments where you actually rather not. Right? Uh, it's easy to be kind when it's natural and it comes and flows, but real kindness comes maybe by being able to stand above the situation and to think, okay, what would a kind person do? Not a frustrated or upset person in this moment uh, uh, as me. And to still take the action of that kind person so you can grow into that role. Now, that is the purpose of the book, to give you those tools, those ways of thinking that have been passed on for thousands of years without any hint of uh, what you should think about, but what you could think about. Yeah, and I take that. And I also think that it's, 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 it's sort of instructive in the sense that it gives you ways to think about how to develop myself, right? Yes. Uh, so th that's that's the way in which I see it, um, and the types of questions that it might be powerful to ask oneself. Uh, yeah, sure. that uh, that's what I like, uh, <laughs> and the types of reflective exercises that it might be powerful to engage in. Yeah, true. And yeah, which I'm taught, and, and again, they're just not taught in school. <laughs> so we're not going to get school. We're not getting church. And certainly, I didn't. You know, there's no no slight on my parents, but I never got it from my from my folks. So it's yeah, it's it's a it's, I think it's important that we find ways, you know, as now, certainly now that I'm a dad to like, oh, congratulations. We, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been a dad for four, four and a half years now, but and I know you're also a father, but it's like, how do we bring this more, you know, to a greater degree into culture, right? Like that, mm. the, the, this, this topic or the, yeah. That's true. And uh, hopefully by introducing these themes also in the workplace and with your teams, because once you think these things through for yourself, they become very clear, very obvious, right? Once you know what water is, then you know, right? You cannot forget it. So once you become aware of these uh, ways of thinking, it's not something you just forget afterwards. But then you can help uh, your team members. Uh, you can have a team kickoff. You can discuss these topics. You can bring in uh, these elements. And that builds this confidence that uh, whatever next week or next month or next year will look like, uh, we're able to uh, thrive through all of that. We're able to bring in the best of what we have because we know what the best of us looks like uh, yeah. and we can support yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, so what's your experience of bringing this into the workplace? Because I'm just re reflecting on a couple of, couple of twice when I've tried to bring this question here, what, like, why are we here to a mm. group? And I can remember in one, in one case, it was the, the, the principal answer was, well, I'm here, I'm here to earn, earn money, of course. You know, that's why I'm here. I'm here because I'm here because I'm paid to be here. Mm -hmm. And in another example, uh, there was, oh, Richard, come on, we've done all this. You know, we know what our purpose is. You know, we rolled that out last year. <laughs> like, why are we going, <laughs> going over all this again? Right. And, you know, I, I dealt with it and, and, and um, sort of made the, 
made the best of it in terms of that inquiry. But what I found in general was there's there's often quite a lot of resistance to this inquiry. So I wonder what your experience is of bringing this inquiry into organisations, and perhaps where they're not self-selected in the case of your your young young, young <laughs> leaders forum. So um, yeah, the, the <laughs> it's interesting that you uh, uh, had those experiences because you would think that these topics, if they really resonate, if they've mm. really thought it through, then uh, they would love to talk about it, right? They would uh, drag you in uh, uh, during a break and say, I want to talk more about it because it's so close to my heart. Uh, you might notice that, for instance, imagine a, a founder of a, a startup that's growing and things are going well despite the difficulties. Uh, this person might not stop talking about why why they're doing what they're doing, right? So that's that's the kind of energy. To, in the, you know, regardless if you share it with others or not, but uh, you hope people would feel within themselves. Now, maybe it is, yeah, making a living. Maybe it's because of the salary, but probably there's something behind it. Again, probably it's because they want to help their children uh, through a certain phase or they're taking care of their elderly parents or someone else and they want to make sure that they have a better life than they otherwise would have. So it's also finding a little bit deeper, right? Uh, uh, what, what is that then for? What are you saving for if, you're, if that's what you're saying right now? But uh, the... Uh, approach that at least uh, uh, it doesn't um, it's not mutually exclusive but the approach that definitely is an important one is to start bottom up not why are we here but why are you here and whether someone shares the full story or not uh, helping them really think it through look back uh, uh, in your life so far how was uh, high school how was the how were the years after that what about your first job what did you find important then what was difficult uh, what did you want to have rather different what were your values today if you have to think about uh, uh, all of this is uh, uh, harmony important or is uh, performance important or is uh, what do you consider as humor important I've, I still have to find the first person where nothing is important, where nothing is meaningful, but uh, keeping the room open that, you know, you don't have to share, right? There's, it's very personal, but we're here to help make sure that at least you're in touch and that you have clarity around these things for yourself. And all of a sudden you have to make a business decision or you have to make a decision around, you know, what do you do with your teams and staff, especially in a pandemic when things are maybe not going well. What are your values that can guide you so that looking back, you can always say, I made the right decision. It's a regret-free decision, uh, so to speak. Mm. But it takes some help. Now, who knows if more people imagine a team, everybody does this a bit for themselves, then there's some way to bring that together. There's some way to say, look, Richard, you and I, (laughs) we're here for different reasons. But I can see that we can still work together and I can see how we can help each other while we're here in this team anyway. And right. you help me learn. I help you succeed and uh, and so forth. Uh, so let's uh, let's do this. Yeah. So it sounds like something important is framing it bottom up. Right. Why not starting with the why are we here? Why are we here? Which is interesting because sometimes my mm-hmm. issue tells me that 
starting at the collective is somehow easier because it's not quite so personal for people. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting you're saying, no, no, it goes, goes straight <laughs> to the personal. Well, maybe if, if, if you try it out and it's easier and coincidentally it works, then, uh, then, then that's good. So yeah, there are different ways, there are different roads that lead to Rome. But uh, uh, the point is that if one path doesn't work, yeah, it's good to be flexible. Now, sometimes uh, uh, you might hear things that uh, it's not necessarily creating or contributing to something. It's actually preventing something. So for someone preventing bad things from happening, preventing economic uh, uh, harm, uh, so to speak, or preventing uh, environmental harm, uh, that's their main purpose. That's for them. It's a very important thing that they want to pursue. Uh, it's less tangible. It's less visible because per definition, it's not there if you do, if you do it right. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, any angle that helps uh, use it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about like this, uh, you know, these, these central inquiries. And then later in the book, you, well, the last chapter of the book is, uh, is start and finish. Um, <laughs> you talk about the bar that we set for ourselves and, and you get into celebration. You know, I wonder if you could, you could touch on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, celebration. So the the context of uh, the question, like how do you lead, grow, and thrive in a VUCA world, in a world that feels more volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And one thing that uh, uh, I quickly uh, noticed uh, for myself, but also for many others, is that much of the work that uh, you do on a daily basis in a world that is becoming more digital, it's becoming more abstract, certain topics, it's more long-term, uh, there is this sense of there's something missing, uh, the sense of doing something tangible, tangible results. And if I look back at maybe uh, certain uh, jobs I had during high school or afterwards, um, there were way more tangible results uh, than uh, later. It was probably about, you know, moving certain uh, boxes physically, putting them in a place. Uh, it was about helping a certain customer with uh, certain something that they need right that, at that moment. So as much as meaning we talk about is that which I'm doing is contributing to something larger than myself. It's, a, it's about the process. It's the journey. Uh, us humans have also a very strong need to also feel uh, that we also every now and then reach a destination. Right? The sense of closure, it's finished, it's done. And uh, depending on your skills and what you enjoy, you see people over the weekend working on their house, right? Uh, working in their gardens. Um, you could say, okay, why do you want to work more after a long wor- week of work? Uh, it's that sense of satisfaction, right? Like built something. I, I, built, I built a little patio. In fact, I finished it this Sunday. <laughs> you actually did. It felt tremendous. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the satisfaction is almost out of proportion compared to maybe very big things that you did the days before, however, less tangible. Okay. Now, uh, if you don't acknowledge that, you'll be missing a big thing uh, to keep up that sense of motivation uh, through the VUCA world. So this chapter uh, helps you at least become aware of that. And then people say, ah, yes, I see it. And then see that 
Well, you cannot always work maybe in a physical environment or do something tangible, but you can break things down to make it at least feel more tangible. And anyone who's ever put something on their to-do list after they've done it, just to have the satisfaction of crossing it off, it probably knows uh, what this is about. This is about thinking, okay, where do I place the bar? You know, am I successful after four years when everything is finished or do I have intermediate set points where I say, okay, this was great. Uh, I finished a chapter. I finished an analysis. I finished something that already helps. You decide. And by playing a bit with that bar, you make it at least easier for yourself to have these intermediate moments of closure that you say, okay, now I'm done. The weekend starts or I have a break or at least a satisfaction. When we talk about celebration, well, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, uh, inviting uh, tons of people and uh, uh, you know this massive party that's another to-do on your to-do list. Uh, it could just be something that uh, uh, you say, hey, I'm going to pause for a moment and acknowledge this milestone for myself, even if nobody else does it. Uh, Mark Twain said, you know, if nobody else gives a compliment, then do it yourself. Uh, uh, you'll, you'll notice the difference. And this could be, you know, treating yourself on some nice snack. Uh, this could be putting on some nice music. This could be going for a walk, whatever, you know, just to acknowledge that moment for yourself as well. If you do that for, your, for you, you can do it for others, of course, and your team members at the end of the week, sending them home maybe with a sense of closure on highlights in addition to what did not go well can help people run that marathon that we're in right now. Yeah, I, I, I completely resonate with that. And <laughs> I'm just thinking of, I'm, I'm learning Romanian right now, Kevin, on, wow. on, Duo, on Duolingo. And uh, you keep what surprising I love about, me. <laughs> and what I love about that app is like the dumbest, tiniest sentence that I write in Romanian, like, I am a boy, not a girl. It's like, yay, high five. <laughs> and the whole app like explodes in celebration. And like <laughs> at the beginning, you're like, what the hell? I've just like done the dumbest thing I could possibly imagine. And then after a while, I get so like addicted to it. And it's <laughs> wonderful to get all this praise from this like, you know, animated character. And um, mm. they've obviously cracked it. You know, they've tapped right into that, um, you know, that need, as you say, and that joy that we can feel from just completing um, you know, these little tasks. And I have to say, it feels so much richer in some ways mm -hmm. than, you know, just getting like likes on a post on social media or something, which feels much less tangible. So you've, you've actually done something that was a minor challenge, right? Trying to work mm -hmm. out in your head what this sentence was in a different language. So, um, yeah, you're, you're, you, you're tapping into something there. And, and, and this is an example in, on this app where it is a digital environment, but they, they, they found a way to have you, you know, uh, to have you, acknowledge yourself or, or be part of an acknowledgement for something you've achieved. And I mean, I even find it with just like a digital Kanban board, you know, which is just <laughs> like a fancy to-do list for people who aren't familiar what that word means, but it's, you just move tasks across a board and just like the physical action with my mouse of moving it to the done column and allowing myself a little moment of yay. Um, it's, it's not always, a, it's, it's a practice I can, you know, I've got somewhere with, but I can really see the value of like really developing it. So it's nice that you bring that up. And you can imagine that uh, uh, that's why games can become so popular. Right? They fully tweaked this thing of, you know, putting the right effort to get the right challenge, but getting the right rewards at the right time. 
So it can be highly satisfying, uh, maybe less meaningful in the sense that that what you're doing, you know, what is it really contributing to could be a variety of things, but at least when it comes to the uh, sense of closure, the accomplishments uh, throughout, uh, it's, it's great. Well, the practical way, uh, some people do it uh, these days. Imagine someone who's working a lot online, a lot uh, uh, with emails, is at the end of the day, uh, just go through your sent folder again, just for a moment before you close your laptop and realizing that, wow, oh, that happened today. I almost forgot that. This I finished, that I accomplished. Uh, and there's a sense of closure uh, that takes maybe a few seconds. If that works for you, why not? Uh, if that helps you to stay motivated and start a new day tomorrow. Uh, if you have to-dos digitally, indeed, uh, crossing them off, but keeping them in a, in a place where you can look back after a month, like, wow, hundreds of to-dos, right? Uh, that's uh, mm. progress. And of course, finding maybe ways to work on your house, work on your local community. Don't forget about the tangible world in this uh, digital environment and uh, uh, pursue that as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think that was one of the um, upsides of, of the pandemic for me was like, I ended up joining this little community in our village, you know, to oh, go yeah. help, you know, and there was anything like that before the pandemic, but there was this sense of, you know, we're in this together and let's help each mm -hmm. other. And it's, uh, yeah. And of course, we're all at home. We're in our local communities. We're not commuting. It was, um, yeah. And, I, and I'm organizing like a community event, like in our little sort of square. Fantastic. So uh, yeah, that was one of the positive outcomes, actually. And uh, uh, so this brings a little bit back the theme of learning from the past, right? Uh, there are many problems that we experience today, but that were not really big problems maybe a uh, long time ago, because you could do nothing else than work with your community on right. tangible, immediate things that benefit you and others. So you have that sense of meaning, right? You're helping your neighbor, you're helping uh, the, the uh, people around you, you're helping your family every day. Nobody has to come and tell you what are you contributing to and why and looking at all these angles because you, you could not do anything else. Everything relied yeah, on the Yeah, nobody's staring at an Excel sheet thinking, is this really helping the world? Yeah. How is this contribute? At least asking those uh, those questions a lot uh, uh, was dependent on you. So realizing that context that you are a leader in uh, determines a lot on what you want to focus and practice. And if that context automatically gives you that positivity, if that automatically creates that sense of meaning, you don't have to think too much about this, right? You don't have to overcomplicate it. It's, uh, if you automatically get that kick uh, uh, out of uh, uh, what you accomplish. Don't think too much about it. But from my experience, there are more and more people who miss some parts of this in their day-to-day -day life because it just doesn't well, naturally not, yeah. rise. And statistically, right? I mean, all the polls point to the you know horrific levels of dissatisfaction in the workplace, right? And not mm -hmm. connected to the values of, read somewhere, you know, I think something like 30% of staff um, uh, connected to the values of their company and see them as being mm. relevant to their day-to-day -day work you know that was just just one serve and of course we know about how the disengagement levels it's it's uh yeah it's it's endemic i would say in corporate culture and you can of course as an organization see that acknowledge that understand what does it mean for you uh you might not be the average organization but uh the book uh and all of this 
tries to say, okay, you can wait until the organization changes. You can wait until all of these, you know, uh, world changes or the pandemic ends and so forth and so forth. Hopefully many good things will happen in the future. But today, what is within your control is to do this for yourself yeah, and to equip you with the tools. Yeah. Which, which is the, yeah, one of the core stoic messages, right? It's, it's up to you. <laughs> what can you control? It can be right back to the, to mm-hmm. the start. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Wow. Okay. Well, it feels like we've had a, you know, really good conversation, you know, around the book. Is there anything, uh, you know, anything that we've, well, actually there's one thing that, that struck me that I just wanted to maybe pull out, which I thought mm-hmm. was important. And this was this idea of, um, you've got the section strengths and weaknesses and this idea of strenuous gifts, right? Like, well, and there's, you've got a matrix around it, actually. Do you want to just talk us through that? I thought that was, uh, yeah, quite a powerful uh, section of the book. You uh, have a very good memory. Uh, <laughs> I also have uh... notes, <laughs> which help, help one's memory. <laughs> so, uh, um, so there's, there's a certain insight again that uh, once you see it, you see it. But it took me a while to uh, to realize, and I did notice that uh, it was very helpful for many of the participants and leaders and teams uh, in all of this. Is people have heard somewhere somehow you should do in life what you're good at. Right? There's something about you know use your strengths. Uh, it's that's that's not the insights. Uh, whether you have the time and the ability to become aware of it and think it through, that's something else. The difficulty comes that uh, the assumption sometimes that just because you're good at something, you means that you automatically get energy from it. It automatically is something worth pursuing uh, for yourself. It's something good. You should do more of it. Or on the flip side, just because you're not good at something uh, doesn't mean that you uh, lose energy from it, right? You could be bad at something, but have fun with it, like a hobby or something, right? So you're not... Uh, well, world... guitar. <laughs> you guitar. I suck at guitar, but I really love playing it. <laughs> guitar or ukulele or any other uh, uh, fun instrument that you can think of. Now, um, then the question is, okay, but how does that work? And just by drawing two simple lines, and you can draw this on a napkin, uh, you can draw this uh, on a slide, (laughs) digitally, anything (laughs) that you like, a horizontal one that thinks about, you know, what am I not good at left and what am I good at right? And a vertical one through the middle, what drains me and what energizes me to the top, you all of a sudden have, uh, you know, a cross. You have uh, four areas that you realize that top right there are things that you're good at and give you energy. Let's only call those strengths. They give you strengths. You're good at them. They give other strengths. You perform better. You decrease stress. All of the good things are there. But there's this bottom right corner all of a sudden that you say, hey, what's in there? I'm good at them, but they actually drain me. The experience of this is very different. And someone can have, uh, for instance, a, a sense of conflict resolution as a strength, right? It's not easy, it's challenging, but it actually gives them energy that's engaging. Right? You talk about that 30%, but you know that's 100% engagement. Someone, that same person could have writing as a strenuous gift. They write fantastic articles, persuasive, inspiring, clear emails, and you name it, but it's super draining. 
Now, does that mean they should not do that anymore? Of course not. It just means that don't mistake your strenuous gift for a strength and don't go for any opportunity continuously to do more of it. Spending 20, 30, 40 hours per week bottom right can be a good recipe for a burnout, even though you're well accomplished, you get compliments, you get that closure, you feel satisfied, but there's some part of you that uh, senses that, you know, I don't, I don't see myself how I can keep this up for another week, month, year. So moderating them, using them mindfully, again, pure awareness gives you the choices to think this a little bit better through. And to your question, uh, what could you do with them? Now, maybe nice to also think then about the things that don't give you, uh, you're not good at, but do give you energy. You know, your guitar that you mentioned, but uh, uh, you can do that privately. But what's the work equivalent of that? Maybe for somebody, it's that's negotiation, right? Uh, it's interesting. It's fascinating. They like to learn and learn from others and be part of the conversations, but they're very happy. They're not the lead negotiator at that moment, right? It would be a disaster yeah. <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> um, but uh, are there ways to get more involved, be part of it, learn? And who knows? You can quickly learn, right? In two years, you might become that lead negotiator. But uh, don't forget about it just because you're not good at it. The worst that happens in a risk-free environment is that uh, you get energy from it. Not a bad thing during a pandemic uh, right now and the difficult ways of working. And the best thing is they can develop them into a strength. Again, two simple lines. You can talk a long time about it, but just shedding light, creating that awareness, having those conversations, picking one or two things you can do differently already today. You can imagine the sense of energy and motivation that can come around just from that. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that idea of doing things that you're not good at, but that just gives you just as part. I've, I found that in my own life is that sometimes you just just doing anything that gives you like a sense of like this remain learning Romanian, right? It's, <laughs> it's not like I suck at Romanian. And but yeah, but and it's not really going to be of any great value to me to be able to speak Romanian fluently. But I'm enjoying it. It's giving me some energy and it's sort of, you know, giving me mm -hmm. a little bit of meaning and a, and a sense of progress. I think finding those activities and allowing ourselves to, to indulge them to some degree, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, can, can enrich our lives. And even if you don't have much time, at least looking forward to those moments can just, just mm -hmm. the fact that you're looking forward to them can give you already energy or some sense of freedom that I can play a bit around with which skills I want to apply and use uh, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, and who knows, maybe I'll become a Romanian uh, singer-guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> and podcast host. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. 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 Community wow. builder with so many things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That's interesting. Um, I'm just, again, I was just, just looking at, at your... Get, Meditating on your name for a second there, Kay Bad. And you know, we talked before you came on. Your your you've grown up grown up in Holland, but you're mm -hmm. yeah Iranian. We've touched on community there. Has you, have you had an opportunity to take any of this into the Iranian community into Iran? Is that something <laughs> you you aspire to do? Or? Not not necessarily uh, right now. So there's no uh, Farsi translation of the book, uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, right now. But uh, who knows? The, the, the messages are universal. Uh, the programs have been tried and tested in so many places around the world. 
And uh, uh, I hope to say that uh, there's something in it for everyone, uh, independent of the culture, background, where you are in your careers, uh, what are you doing? These, if you understand the principles, you can tailor them in a very practical way to your current situation, uh, wherever you are. Yeah, well said. Okay, well, thanks once again. Um, you know, I know I need to let you go to go pick up your, your daughter soon. Um, and remind of everybody, the book, uh, What is Water? How Young Leaders Can Thrive in an Uncertain World. Yeah, it's a short book. Yeah, it's uh, full of exercises. It's easy read, lots of stories. Um, yeah, so I encourage people to take a, take a look if uh, they like uh, what they've heard today. Thank you so much. And uh, time flies. Uh, thanks for all the helpful questions to make me think and uh, uh, get excited about, yeah, what are the things I want to know? What's the Romanian equivalent <laughs> for uh, the next few weeks and months for me now? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And I know you've got another book coming. Uh, um, what is wisdom, right? That's, that's coming up. You're the, you're the first uh, to, uh, to know right now. So I'll keep Good. you posted. Great. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks once again. Uh, and then enjoy your evening. It's, uh, it's been fantastic. Thank you. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.